I love when you say exactly what I was just going to say. I just read this review from Elizabeth that said, Joy amplifies joy. I have become more calm and aware from all that I've learned in Hillary's teachings. I'm beginning to pay attention to what brings me joy and get specific about what I want out of life, which is exactly what we are going to talk about today. And what I want more of in life are your darling reviews like Carolyn who said, I've never listened to a podcast before. First of all, Carolyn, welcome to the beautiful bold world of the podcast party, my friend. And now... I am hooked on this one. Hillary, your voice reminds me of a spunky heroine in a fairy tale. Genuine, brave, witty, and wise, helping us find our way through the forest of this crazy thing called life. I mean, is that just darling or what? I could not like you, love you guys anymore. So swipe up to add your voice in with a quick review or even just tap five stars and you can always come back and write one later. When we hit 950 reviews just a couple weeks ago, I said if we had 12 reviews a week, we could get to 1,000 by July 31. Well, y'all have leaned in and helped out and now it's just eight a week. So my elite eight, yes, you. I was going to start naming names and I was going to be like Sasha, Baron, Cohen. And I was like, that's one name and it's the name of a man. Um, and this is mostly women. But anyways, uh, Jessica, Bianca, Liza, Marissa, this is your week. If you know anyone who has ever in your life been named one of those names, this is your week. You are the Elite Eight. Swipe up, tap those stars, and let's get into the show. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Friends, 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 thank you for the incredible conversation that we had over on Instagram stories around shaming, specifically the shaming of female entrepreneurs and in general online shaming and in general human-to-human shaming. I said in last week's episode, I'm kind of processing through this thing and I don't even know what to say, so I'm not ready to go there yet. And then the next day, I saw one of my colleagues and... um, uh, friends from many years ago, Amanda Klutz, get shamed, and apparently I figured it out, and I just flipped up on my phone and started talking, um, and so many of you shared. There were four times the normal views on my stories, and that just confirmed and affirmed to me that this is something that you see that bothers you, that is on your heart, that you want to be a part of the change, and that just warmed my heart so much. So if you missed that, I will link below to those pinned stories so that you can check them out, and we will continue to have that conversation. But like last week's episode, today's episode also comes from a few DMs that I have received, and what they have in common is feeling stuck and disempowered in your current life choices. Now, I want to start with a little disclaimer, which is on who my audience is. There are very few people in my audience um, that are on food stamps or working three jobs as a single mother or in prison or have committed a felony and are really struggling now that they are free to find gainful employment. I could go on and on with examples, but there are many people who have very little freedom, choice, and opportunity, and that is not the vast majority of my audience. I 
check out your Instagram profiles. I read your DMs. I hear from you. I engage with you. You're the students of my classes. So I know who this audio uh, audience is. And in that conversation on shame, one thing that I noticed over the years is the shaming of people being tone deaf in how they teach. People who speak or teach, maybe it's a podcast or it's a book um, or what they're saying on Instagram. And I find it a really frustrating criticism in part because it presumes that the world revolves around you if you're saying this didn't speak to me or more likely you're saying it, it didn't speak to this other kind of person who I am not but the world in this moment I'm saying should revolve around them when in reality no message is going to be right for all people. Uh, we've also been talking about grief on my Instagram stories and I just shared Books as resources by two of my dear friends, Ashley Lemieux and Ruthie Lindsay. They have both written books on what it is like to go through major grief, loss, and trauma. Now, someone could come along and shame them that their grief, loss, and trauma was not as bad as being a lifelong refugee in a war-torn country. And that is true. That is absolutely true. But they did not write their book for the lifelong refugee. <laughs> And they were not trying to say, to do comparative suffering, which we know blesses no one. So they weren't saying, my pain is worse than anyone else's. They were saying for anyone else who also has gone through the loss of a child, uh, divorce, um, miscarriage, uh, uh, ongoing chronic pain, like any of the things these women have walked through, this is for you. This is to meet you where you're at. And I'm saying that because... I mentioned in my shaming stories a, a public divorce in the self-help space and the, the response that people had to that. And someone DM'd me that they had never liked that author because her book, Girl, Wash Your Face, so you probably know who I'm talking about, um, was the message of that was you're empowered to make things happen for yourself. And I watched over the years as a lot of people got angry because they read the message of that book and say, no, that's wrong. You should turn to God to make things happen. And a lot of other people say, no, that's wrong because who are you, white middle class woman, to tell single moms on food stamps that they should just work harder? You know, no, it's not girl, wash your face. It's girl, go to God. And no, it's not girl, wash your face. It's girl, somebody really needs to help you in society more than they are. Like, and I don't think that single moms on food stamps were her audience. Her audience were women writing her for years complaining that their life wasn't happening for them. They maybe went to church and were waiting on God. And I think God was shouting down at them like, Beatrice, how about you start working on your marriage and stop just praying to me to fix it when you won't go to therapy? Um, and I want to note, by the way, too, this is not a personal friend of mine that I'm talking about. I don't have any particular tie-in to wanting to d defend her. Uh, but I think that it is worth noting when we give advice how easy it is if you want to to say, well, here's the group of people that you've left out in that. And it, I mean, 
you guys know I'm a Christian, so I would say I think the Bible is for everyone. But other than that, I don't think there's really any message that that includes everyone that isn't going to be like, well, you know, you didn't include my racist beliefs. And you're like, you're right, I didn't. Um, so yes, somebody was, was left out. So I say all of that because today I'm going to give some tough love to choose your thoughts. And I just want to be clear that this is not for the person that has no options. And so many people in our society need more help, support, policies, community initiatives. And I want us to help them more. I'm not telling them to help themselves more, but there is a good chance that you have an iPhone and an hour to listen to a personal development podcast. And so you and I do have many freedoms, choices, and opportunities. Let us be grateful for that. Let us not feel guilty for that. Let's just be grateful for that. And also not beat ourselves up and acknowledge our brains just get stuck and scarce and scared and can make us feel like we have less than we actually do. Less freedom, less choice, less opportunity, less abundance, less control. And I'm going to share two DMs that I received that inspired today's episode. But also, these were not tied to the coronavirus uh, coronavirus crisis. It's a little hard to say. And at this time, we feel like we have even less choice than we ever have before. If we thought we didn't have choice before, we are all going through it right now. Uh, but I also love that these examples just apply outside of that. So Gianna wrote me and said, I live in a beautiful old Victorian home where the floors are horribly creaky. I feel ready, willing, and able to make the shift to commit to waking up earlier and a morning routine as you've encouraged me to. But I feel like I'm being held back as my roommate works late. I hear her. She wakes me up. I've gotten a white noise machine and earplugs. I've talked to my roommate, but there's really nothing she can do. It's simply when she gets home from work and it's just her moving around to get ready for bed and such. Do you have any advice on how to feel more empowered when circumstances are beyond our control? And Laura said, you talk about how if you listen to your dreams and longings, you can create more of them in your life. I want to live where you do, in the city and a stunning high-rise building. My husband wants to live in the country. So we've compromised to live in the suburbs in between, which I don't think really feels like much of a compromise as it's not what either of us want. Do you have any advice on how to create the life you want when you don't have the freedom of choice? So first off, I really want to honor that both of these women are in complex situations. They've thought about it. They've worked through it. They've really tried and they're reaching out and asking for help. But what I come back to are phrases like circumstances beyond our control and when you don't have the freedom of choice. Now, I'm not saying these choices are easy, but when we say we have no choice, we become the victim. We feel trapped and that feels awful. <laughs> As I said, we are now in quarantine and we are feeling like victims to this pandemic. We are feeling trapped in our homes. We are feeling trapped in our cities, unable to travel. We are feeling trapped in our homes with our children who are distance learning. And we're not loving it. It doesn't feel good to feel like you have no choice. So I think it is more powerful and empowering and a better feeling when we own that we actually do have choice even if it's complex. So I had written back to Gianna and I'd said, here's the questions that come to mind to me. 
can you get another roommate? The issue is that the roommate gets home late and you guys are on opposite schedules. Can you be like, I love you. You're my bestie for the restie. Can we just not live together? We have opposite schedules anyways. Let's hang on on weekends. Let me get a, you know, a roommate who goes to bed early. Can you move to another house? Maybe it's the roommate's place and you're the one that moved in. Can you move someplace else? If you reply back to me, okay, but I love this roommate in this house. Let me just tell you all the things that are so amazing because it's close to my work and it's close to school and then the roommate is just da 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 and then the rent is so cheap because I, normally I wouldn't be able to do this. You can tell me all the reasons why you love the roommate in the house. And I'm like, great. Then own that choice. You're choosing the roommate and the house over a morning routine. Now, if you really believe that a morning routine would make you more happy, which it might, then you have to move. Then you have to choose, that is my top priority. But you are choosing your priorities. If your priority is the relationship with this roommate, the location of the house, the aesthetic of the house, the price of the house, whatever the different factors are, because where we live... What, you know, the city we live in, the house we live in, who we live with, th- those are all not s- simple things. They're complex to figure out. They have a huge impact on our life. But you are choosing those as the priority. And if you just become fixated on the one thing that would change everything would be my morning routine, which I've talked to you about my morning routine when I started it back in February, obviously got a little, you know, topsy-turvy during quarantine. I actually just picked it back up last week and I'm working to get back on there. And for me, it is a huge factor. Like I sat down to do my Elegant Excellence Goals Journal for July and I realized how many things. I have an exercise in there where it's um, it's a circle divided into 10 slices of a pie. And you, you go and you color in on a scale from 1 to 10. Where are you in each of your areas of happiness? You know, your, your romantic relationship, your, uh, your personal development, your finances, whatever. And then for each, something that I added in for 2021 is going in an, an extra little box where you write what – what could I do to shift this area? And so many of mine basically came back to, I need to make more space for this in my routine. I just don't have the time that I do this. I don't have the place and the space that I do this. So I really felt convicted. My routine is a major part of making me happy or unhappy. And so maybe you look at that pie and you're like, as much as I love the roommate and the house and the and the, the rent, that's three of the 10 things. And the other seven are all affected by my morning routine. Maybe that's a bigger priority. Or you realize actually the roommate and the house, they affect so many of these things. And I can come up with some other solutions for how to get around. I'm, I'm putting it all on the morning routine. I'm like, if I just had a morning routine... Then I would work out and then I would lose 10 pounds and then I would feel happy and then I would date and then I would not be single and then I would get to become a mother before all of my eggs dry up. And you're like, the morning routine is it. You have to decide whether the morning routine really is the priority and if so, then prioritize it. Or have you just built it up in your head to be this big thing and actually isn't? life or death or do you there is there another option you could choose uh to make this plan happen these shifts happen that you want or it really is important and it is a bummer that we can't always have our cake and eat it too we can't always get all of 
the things. Now, again, that isn't easy, but it really is a mental choice that when we can't have both A and B, we can either feel like B was stolen from us or we can feel like we chose A. Now, either way, we still don't have B. We just make ourselves less miserable in the reality that we're living in option A. Circumstance hasn't changed. Fact hasn't changed. It's simply our thought about it that's changed. So when Laura had written about her husband, I said, you know, here's, here's some of my thoughts. Can you move to, so, so they were, she wants to live in the city, he wants to live in the country. Right now they're quote unquote compromising in the suburbs uh, in big air quotes because it doesn't sound like it's making either of them happy. So really, uh, do we just have two unhappy people instead of at least one of you is happy? So I said, can you move to one and vacation at the other? You're like, we're going to, um, you know, maybe we're going to save money by moving to the city. Is it, uh, sorry, to the country? It's cheaper if we go live in the country than instead of here in the suburbs. And then we're going to take that extra money and we're going to travel abroad more often to cities. I don't get to live in cities, but I'm going to visit all the big cities in the world. And we know that that's our compromise. We live where he wants. We vacation more often where I want. You know, if we're going on three trips a year, two of them are to cities, whereas previously he's still trying to get his country in. So maybe even when it comes down to travel, you want to go to London, he wants to go to a lake house. And so are you still both trying to get that in your travel? Maybe you're like, here's where we live. Here's where we travel. We each are happier one of the places. Maybe you majorly downsize your expenses to live in the city and buy a country house. Now, what city are you living in? We can talk about that. You know, Philadelphia is going to be way cheaper than Manhattan. What is it that you're looking for in a city? Is the idea of a little cabin out in Pennsylvania and living in Philadelphia a whole other ballgame than you saying, well, when I say city, I, I only mean where Hillary lives in New York. Or are you like, well, actually, yeah, there's less co- lower cost cities, et cetera. Could you move to one for three years and then switch? You know, I've shared that that's, I mean, Jeremy and I have talked about not as a compromise between us, but pulling out the mentality of I've got to make a move for 10 years. I've got to live someplace for 20 years. And again, I get if you're like, but I don't want to have to move my kids when they're in school. Like my parents moved us growing up and I think that's the reason I have this kind of a problem, et cetera. And that's great. But then that's the choice that you're making. You're prioritizing your hypothesis that your kids are going to do better because they didn't move schools. When, FYI, as a little tangent here, I've seen plenty of people say the fact that they moved around a lot made them confident and independent and easily able to talk to people and more open because they had so many different diverse kinds of friends, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a story that we're believing, but it's fine if we want to choose that, but then we have to own that we chose that. I asked her, what is it that, you love about the city. Is there any way you could put more of that into your life right now? Like if you journal about how would your life be better if you lived in the city? Is it, we kind of talked about buzz here over these last couple of months. Is it just a, a vibe from the city? Do you need to redo your home decor to make your house feel more modern? Is it that you're also living in this kind of, 
basic B, uh, you know, suburban home, and that's not bringing you joy either. But are there modern complexes in your town? Are there newer houses? Is it the way that you dress? Are you just not inspired by what's around you, but maybe you're not inspiring yourself? Is it your friends? You're like, I just feel like there'd be more go-getters and diverse people. Great. Can you make those friends online? Can you, you know, I have plenty of friends that don't live where I live. And if you can't do do any of those things, If you're like, Hillary, every suggestion you're giving me is a no, and I can talk your ear off as to why. Then tell yourself a million times a day how much you love your husband and that he is a greater gift than absolutely anything else. You would live in the most beige, bland, boring of all suburbs with this guy before you would go live all by yourself in the most magnificent Carrie Bradshaw apartment because as epic as it would sound for the first three months, suddenly you would be lonely and suddenly you would be da-da-da-da-da. So again, this isn't easy and I, I don't think that you think I am, but I'm not sassing anyone or trying to simplify you know, the legal contracts of we own this house or I've, I've signed this lease or marriage balance or life dreams or bank accounts. But if you use the wand which I taught in episode 60, notice that your circumstance is your old Victorian or your house in the suburbs. It's your best friend who's your roommate or your husband. And you're having a thought. You're choosing a thought about that circumstance, which right now makes you feel disempowered or stuck. And so by questioning the thought, maybe it's that we change the action And we end up not living that place anymore and really making an actionable shift in our life. Or maybe it's just that we change the thought and and we stay in the exact same place. We just feel differently about it. But for this week, let's just notice any time that we feel stuck. And this is something that I am really trying to notice for myself all the time. Lately, I'm really trying to question, I think with the slowdown of quarantine, it also just happened to be well-timed in my business that we were slowing down into a new season. And I'm really trying to better notice, why do I feel annoyed that I have to do this task? What's the thought that I'm associating with that? Do I have to do this task? Do I have another choice? Why am I angry and resentful that I'm having this meeting? Do I have to have this meeting? Is this a thought? Is there a different way that I could approach this? So I'm just really asking myself often, why am I feeling anything other than peaceful, grateful, lit up, energized? I'm not saying that I'm going for this utopian idea that I'm going to feel those things all the time. But so often we feel these negative feelings and we just sit in them. So I'm asking myself, what can I shift and change? And it's not everything, but it is more than I realize. I can't change quarantine. I can't go to Paris this summer like I have for the last five years. Um, There's tons of things in all of our lives that we can't control right now, but there is more than I realize, even if it is just changing and noticing my thought. Maybe I'm not shifting my circumstance. I'm not living someplace else. I'm not married to someone else. I don't have all the freedom in the world, but I just start to notice my thoughts and I notice what am I complaining about? What am I grateful for? If I'm feeling stuck, how can I feel empowered that I can make a choice, whether in my actions or in my thoughts? But I really believe that you are empowered to like your life just a little bit more. 
Ooh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. Yes, something I'm loving lately has been choosing all of the colors for the covers of our Elegant Excellence Goals Journal for 2021. If you are not familiar with the journal, I will put the link below. You can get on the wait list. We, that will go on sale in the fall so that it can be in your beautiful hands to spend December doing all of your prep work for January. But as I had them laid out all over my floor, I was I was going around my house and I was pulling books from everywhere to try to grab different color options. And then I had my Pantone book out and I was doing the color matching and I was trying to figure out what how would they work together because we're we're um, doing it a little bit differently for next year and and what would the different collections be and then coming up with what, what's the story of each collection and it just reminded me that I love colors, I love visuals, I love pretty things, I love creating pretty things and tactile things and that's not a big part of my job and I just got to noticing okay I wonder what what can I do about that? How can I make that a bigger part of my job? I am a stylist. I'm someone that's on Instagram. I think most people would probably think my life has more to do with clothing and home decor and colors and photo shoots and things like that. No, I pretty much am just on my computer um, typing most of the time. So we have uh, we're going to be hiring for a new role on our team. So I'm thinking maybe that's something that will happen more when they're here and I'm collaborating with them. Maybe they will end up freeing up more of my time to uh, to, to create more and get more creative. But I just think it's worth noting what we love, even if we aren't yet sure how to do more of it, because at least our brain starts pondering and looking for it. So in what these gals even shared in this episode of here's what I'm finding that I'm craving – that sometimes just starts not even with the absence of something, but with noticing, I'm loving this right now. This is bringing me joy. This is making me happy. I really liked today. I really liked what I just did for the last two hours. What was it about that? And how can I have more of that in my life? And again, it doesn't mean that we're going to have an answer right away, but we are going to be closer to it by pausing to notice and at least asking the question. And I would love to hear what your questions are from this. So as always, please come on over to Instagram. Specifically, my Instagram stories is where we're hanging out every day. And I am building a deeper relationship with you. So I will see you over there and back here next Wednesday with Grace and Gumption. Till next Wednesday. 